What's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 15th of August, 2023. And today is my birthday. It actually is. It's my comedy birthday. How cool is that? I forgot to say last year. I remember I forgot to say this year. It's today. I actually only have one more time going on stage today. How many gigs have I done today? And I've forgotten every single time I've been on stage to tell the room <clears throat> that it's my comedy birthday today. But today, my last show, I'm doing a... It's 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday as I record this. And I got a show that starts at 9. I'm going to record this quick and then race over to get there for 9.15. It's a comedy game show. And the guy who runs the show knows that it's my comedy birthday. And that's nice. I did strip tease last night, I did adult adoption, I did a pick of the fringe, I did the morning after, I did another pick of the fringe, one, two, three, four, five, and it'll be my sixth gig of the day, and it'll be my last gig of the day where I finally tell the audience that it's my 12 years since my first ever time on a stand-up comedy stage. How goddamn cool is that? What has the last year been for me? stand-up comedy wise well let me think where was i a year ago i was in the middle of the first edinburgh back since covid i was writing my new show in the last year i've written that show i've worked out a lot of problems and everything with it and i have uh, created a show that i'm reasonably proud of it's not an incredible show the morning after it's great it's a good show i'm i am proud of it but it's not it's not you know it's not as good as Taco. I think this new show that I'm writing now, which is called The Piano Show, is going to be, is going to rival the heights of Taco. Um, you know what? I got nominated for, uh, it's actually a funny story. If you've been following my socials, you'll know that I got nominated for the Insert Sponsor Here Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Awards 2023 uh, on the long list, 35 shows. So it's a big list, but you know what? I'm on it. And that's awesome and I'm really proud. But the funny moment happened because when I... So what happened was uh, in the lead up to the Fringe, there was all this chat about how the awards weren't going to go ahead because the normal sponsors had all pulled out and there were no sponsors to take their place and it's expensive to run awards because you've got to pay people to go and judge them and there's prize money and I don't know, there's probably other admin costs associated and whatever. So there was all this chat about maybe there won't be awards. And this crew of people, volunteers, popped up and went, we'll do the awards. And they started organizing that. And then three weeks before the Fringe, they found sponsors for the actual awards, not these awards. So like there's these independent awards and then there's the actual awards. And the award I got nominated for is the independent one. They're both running concurrently. But it's a very confusing thing so when I saw that I got nominated, I thought that I got nominated for the, what is essentially the Perrier Award. <laughs> and that is not the case. Um, and so I was excited on the level of like, oh my God, I got nominated for literally the biggest comedy award in the world. And as it happens, that's not what happened. Um, I got nominated for a comedy award in Edinburgh and it's very cool. But it's not that. Um, that's not the embarrassing part. The embarrassing part 
was the way that I found out. I kind of already had kind of some understanding. I didn't realize that the actual awards had gone ahead. I thought my award that I'm got nominated for is, um, I thought that that was the only awards and I thought the official ones didn't go ahead. So my friend said to me, you know, that's not the official awards, right? And I was like, yeah, but like, whatever, it's still an award. And I didn't know that there was another award running concurrent to this one. The way that I found out was I saw Susan Proven, director of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, in a uh, in in the coffee shop that everyone hangs out at in Edinburgh, Brew Lab. And I saw her sitting at a table by herself. And I know Susan. And I walked up to her and I was like, you know, I always have... My show this year is kind of about how I have a problem believing in myself and putting value on what I do and thinking that I deserve great things. And um, when I saw her, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell her. And I'm, or maybe she knows already or maybe she doesn't or whatever, but I'm going to tell her that I got nominated because I'm proud and I just people should know. So I went up to her and I was like, hey, Susan, did you see the news? Uh, I got nominated for the... Edinburgh Comedy Award and she said it was so heartbreaking what she just said she goes who told you that (laughs) 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 fuck and immediately when she said that I understood that I had not been nominated for (laughs) the Edinburgh Comedy Award and that the award that I had been nominated for was, you know, it was a different thing because <laughs> she's across all the stuff that happens and uh, for her to not know means that whatever's happened, you know, here is not the thing that I thought it was. And uh, I just kind of backed myself out of that situation. Fuck, that was so fucking mortifying. It was mortifying. It absolutely was. Uh, as my dear friend Milo Edwards uh, described it in a hypothetical way. <laughs> Wouldn't that be mortifying if you thought that you got nominated for the real one? Yeah, man, it would. <laughs> Lucky I didn't think that. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Hey, I still got nominated for an award with 34 other great people. The list of comics on the awards that got nominated. Fucking see, my boy Milo got nominated. Laura Davis got nominated. Fucking, I can't remember a bunch of the others, but it's a really good field and I'm proud to be a part of it. So, you know what? Who gives a fuck? But that doesn't help, does it? Play into my things of that I don't deserve stuff. Because now the narrative in my head is like, who am I to think that I could have possibly got nominated for a great award? Anyway, whatever, mate. I'm really happy with the show. I'm really happy how it's going. I have slowly started to kind of claw my way back into getting good numbers in the show. I might not make quite as much money as last year, but I'm still going to make a good amount of money. And um, I guess I'm, I'm working on the show every day. I'm really enjoying it. I think last year was slightly better. Last year, fuck, man. That fucking three o'clock show that I had, just cleaning up every day, just going in there and fucking crushing every day. Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, that almost last year was a better show than the show that it turned into because it had a really strong ending. You know what I was talking to someone about today? I was talking to potentially a producer, talking to someone who's maybe going to produce my run in Adelaide and Melbourne this year. And I'm talking about coming back to Edinburgh and 
finally throwing my hat into the ring with one of the bigger venues. Um, so like maybe just the tonic, not one of the big four because I don't want to just get reamed financially, but maybe one of the, uh, maybe just the tonic because they're like a pay what you feel half and then half ticketed venue and they've got a bit of credibility. They've got some cool rooms and just to do that with a view towards then eventually stepping up and doing monkey barrel, that would be the idea. So I might come back here next year with my uh show about taco because none of the industry have seen that anyway it's neither here nor there we were talking about production in melbourne and talking about what ideas could i have to really push the new show over the edge have a big ending and a big whatever and the idea that i had was i've got the story in the show about when me and my ex split up and i canceled the party and there was jazz lined up for the party and uh you know my mate playing the trombone and then I went to the open mic and told the story and a guy said you can still have the trombone guy come to your house and I was like what cunt and he went wah 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 and that's like that was the best heckle you know and it's a big moment in the show and uh me and this producer that I had a coffee with were talking about ways that I could maybe Look to get the Moosehead grant, which is a grant that you can get for a show in Melbourne um, to kind of put on a bit of an ambitious production and do something really special. And uh, it's for stuff that hasn't been staged anywhere else. So like I would be staging the show that I've been doing, but in a new way. What could I do to augment it? And that's kind of where my head's been at. Like I've been seeing stuff all week that's been really inspiring. And what I'm looking for in the things that I see is stuff that when I walk into the room, there is a feeling in the room before the performance even starts that lets you know that what you're about to see is a special event. And it really feels special. There's an atmosphere. There's some kind of staging, lighting, sound. Everything's been considered and um just yeah that you know so um i've been looking i, I went to see ruben k k hole on thursday night which was fantastic oh my god so good just a big gay queer variety show he's got a neon light behind him that says k hole and uh the start of the show he comes or he's already on stage as everyone comes in and he's wearing this like red insane fucking burlesque kind of get up with arseless back and uh the is it what i can't remember what the first song is but it's like some guitar riff and then he says the f word for gay people the f slur and he just says it and that's the start of the show oh fuck so good so good and the show itself you know i mean just the lady at the end the last act came out completely naked with a popcorn machine like fucking uh taped to her head and then she plugs it in pours a bunch of corn kernels into the popcorn machine turns it on it makes popcorn she slathers her naked body fully naked pussy lips out slathers her entire body in butter and then pushes a salt shaker out of her pussy <laughs> and then salts the popcorn and then it's going everywhere and she fucking eats some of it off the floor, you know, while she's dancing to some music and there's pussy and salt and like fucking butter everywhere. 
just one of the most outlandish things I've ever seen. And I described it to people and they were like, oh yeah, she was on this other show. <laughs> She's doing that. She might do that three times a day. I mean, the pH of her vagina is going to be just all over the place. It's a garden, honey. I don't know what she's doing to... That's even that, you know, commitment to performance, commitment to entertainment, destroying the fucking flora and fauna of her garden thrice daily, I presume, for our entertainment. Amazing. Um, But the vibe in there, right? There's just, you know, there's a live band, they're playing music, there's a neon sign, there's a whole thing. And you walk in and you know this is special. This is a late night, dirty show. The neon, the the outfits, the music, the lighting. I saw um, I saw Moses Storm yesterday in a show called uh, The Perfect Cult, talking about growing up in a cult and his family. And when you walk in, everyone gets a white robe to wear. And that's just a part of, it's immersive. It's a great idea. It's theatrical. That really made the whole performance just start in a very strong way. This is special, you know? Um, what was another one? I mean, even I saw a show called uh, uh, Why I Stuck a Flare Up My Ass for England. And it was theater. It was a one-man show, not stand-up. It was a theatrical monologue piece. And... Um, even that, like you walk in and the chairs are on three sides of a square and the stage is in the middle and it's a square and they're all on the same level as the stage. It's a small theatre, like there's probably, I mean, maybe it would be 40 seats. But just that kind of staging, the way you're around the performer so that when they come out, they're walking, pacing around the stage, looking at all of us and using that space to accentuate things that they're saying. And I thought I would love to have a room that's set up like that. And then in the square in the middle, have it to be set up kind of like a, um, kind of like a lounge room, you know, like what I was going to do for my show this year, but I kind of half asked it. I want to do it properly and have a chair, have a lamp, have a rug, have a little blanket for myself, have a nightstand, have um, maybe like burn some incense. I think that could be really cool. Just have a bit of decoration because someone is saying to me, and I think this is absolutely true, the way that I do stand-up, people always say it feels like I'm just catching up with a friend and we're just having a conversation. And uh, this new show especially is going to feel like that because I'm playing piano. So when I play the piano and then I tell these stories, some of which don't have punchlines for two minutes, three minutes at a time, it's going to feel like we're just having a chat. So I want to get the audience right in close and then I want to set the stage up like they're around me and that I'm in a living room and by extension, so are they. And they're just listening to me tell these stories from my life. I think that could be really cool. So that's kind of where my head is at for that. And then for the end of the show, so I play piano. Um, the show's coming together. The story's coming together. I know I'm going to write probably another 10 minutes of jokes in the next three, four months, and that'll find its way into the show. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is an ending. I've got half an ending, but I don't have the ending. And we were talking. I know I'm taking a long time to get to this point. I feel like I'm taking a big run up here. We were talking, me and this producer, about the idea of having uh, 
So that bit about the trombone guy, if I get, I could get that specific guy to come and play trombone at the end of the show, come from behind the curtain or somewhere so that people don't see him and he could play. Because I was thinking the end of the show could be me playing like an outlined version of the the piece because I play the whole piece at the three quarter mark and then at the end of the show I could play the chords and speak over the chords right but I don't know that that is I mean it's hard I could probably learn it and do it but I don't know what the words are that I want to say and maybe it would have more impact if I've done that trombone punchline and then I have my friend comes out plays the melody of the song that I've been playing, Chopin's Nocturne and E flat major, op nine, number two, if you're a cunt, is the joke that I have in the show. And um, he walks out from behind the thing and he's playing it on trombone. wouldn't that be fucking cool and then for the end of the show so maybe i say whatever the bit is that i say at the end i haven't quite figured it out yet but whatever the closing sentences are that i decide on i say them and then i sit down on the piano and maybe we have a drummer and maybe we play the audience out with me on keys, my friend on trombone and a drummer or a bass player, one of the two. Yeah. Playing a jazz version of Chopin's Nocturne in E flat major. I mean, that would just be so fucking sick, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be the best ending to the show? It would mean that I'd need to get the show a lot tighter because I'd be doing with, oh, there'd probably only be half an hour. Nah, there'd, be, oh, there'd probably be a 30 minutes of story, 10 to 12 minutes of piano chat tying it to the story, five minutes of the actual piece played. And then that's, so what's that? 30, 12, five, that's 48. And then maybe the ending. Yeah, it's going to be a tight show, but I'm so excited. Doesn't that sound cool? Doesn't that sound so fucking cool? I play piano. I teach the audience about how narrative structure and and musical structure have these parallels. And the idea of the show is I play the three main thematic sections of the piece in short before each section of the story so that when I tell them those parts of the story, they tie that to the melody that I just played of the piece. So when I play the piece all the way through at the end, the the emotion that lies beneath the story is tied to those melodies. And so you feel those feelings when I play those parts of the song and then you get a musical resolution and it fucking gives you an emotional closure that I wasn't able to reach. Possibly. Yeah. Something like that, man. It's powerful stuff. It's fucking so powerful. This is going to be an amazing show. That's the idea. So I'm going to get a fucking grant to do this. I want to get some piano lessons. I want to get my friend to play every night. I want to get maybe a bass player or or a drummer. Probably a bass player. Yeah. 
Yeah, bass, and then me on the keys, right? It has to be me on the keys. I'll just, I'll form. Sorry, boys. <laughs> you got to play with me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been really good this week, man. I'm feeling, you can hear it in my voice. I'm feeling so psyched. I mean, I'm 12 years. It's today, the 12-year anniversary. This is where I'm at. I'm still excited about comedy. What a gift, you know? What an absolute gift. Some of the other things I've done this week, I saw Clara Popel, an amazing musician, incredible stuff, playing in a tiny-ass room at Little White Rabbit in Newtown. Loved that. What a great energy to that show. We went, me and the boys went on Thursday and saw the Mighty Hibs play at Easter Road Stadium. They got a 3-1 win in the Europa Conference against some scummy Swiss team. And... Um, Martin Boyle, so funny. You know what? That's going to be the image this week. Martin Boyle, who's an Australian player who plays for Hibs. Um, there was a fight on like 65 minutes, which is way too early <laughs> in a game for there to be a fight. Love to see a fight at football. They always go, oh, it's sad. We hate to see it. Do we hate to see it? I reckon we fucking love to see it. Um, and in the fight, Martin Boyle, the Australian player, stole a fucking yellow card from the ref somehow and brandished it at one of the opposition players. Fuck, it was so sick. And there's a photo from uh, the press, you know, like the game or whatever. Someone took one of the photographers of him brandishing this yellow card at another player. And that is going to be the photo for this week's pod. We won 3-1. We went, what was it? We went one up. They equalized. We went 2-1 up. We were winning. And then towards the end, we went 3-1 up. Huge win. And if they win or draw in Switzerland at the return leg, they go through to the next round. And then on Thursday, the 24th, when we'll still be here, they fucking play Aston Villa at Easter Road. Huge, huge game. And maybe we could get tickets to that. Oh, it was so fun. Fucking how good's football, man? Fuck me. Um, That show, Why I Stuck a Flare Up My Ass for England, was all about football. It was about a guy who a young lad who stuck a flare in his ass at the final of the Euros in 2021 at Wembley. And it was all about lad culture and football and friendship and being a young man and youth. And it was a Bildungsroman, you know, coming of age. It just it great. I really loved that show. It might have been one of my favourites. Probably my favourite I've seen this week, actually. And then on Saturday, the mighty Matildas. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to fucking go to the bus tonight. No, I'm not. I can't go tonight. I'm going to go to the bus tomorrow, and I'm going to get on that piano, and I'm going to play Walsing Matilda on the piano, and I'm going to sing my goddamn heart out. Ah, that'll be wonderful, won't it? Yeah. I was at the bus the other night, met met a guy who plays piano and he loves Ben Folds and we both love Ben Folds. And so we got on the piano and uh, I'm not going to lie, he was playing them. I wasn't playing them so much because I don't remember my Ben Folds because it's been a long time. But I remembered all the words and we were singing. We sang Emmeline. We sang The Last Polka. We sang Zach and Sarah. That was so great. I haven't sung those songs in like 10 years, man. We were just the two of us at the bus in the piano just fucking singing. Uh, um. The Matildas winning on Saturday. I don't know if you guys watched that game. Can you hear how manic I am, man? The pace of this podcast today. This is just this is what Edinburgh does. There is no time. Every day, 
I'm really in the thick of it. Compared to last week, this week, the pace of this podcast and the pace, the furious pace that I'm just hitting you guys with, you can tell that I haven't fucking sat down properly for two and a bit weeks, hey? Um, oh, yeah. Just like I'm not even, I'm recording this now and then I'm going to go and do my, uh, and do my, my set at the game show and then I'm going to come back home later and like quickly throw the edits of the pod together and do the, do the images and chuck it up. Like I'm not even going to be able to publish it now. It'll be another few hours, but this is the tiny ass pocket of time that I've had that I've, I'm like, yes, I can do it in that time. So let me just do it now. Oi, 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 you know? What have been some of my highlights? What have been some of the moments for this week? That Matilda's game. I watched the first half at home with uh, Luca. He cooked his breakfast. What a kind man. And then he had to go and do his show. So I jumped on my bike and went over to uh, Muggleton and Michael Schaefer's house and uh, watched the penalty shootout there. And that was just nerve-shredding stuff. I c- unbelievable, honestly. Ten penalties each and then we finally won. And now tomorrow, oh my God, are you guys ready? Are you fucking ready? We're playing England, the fucking scum. I don't like them. I hate them. You got to hate them. You have to hate the English, man. And we're playing them. And we're going to fucking beat the shit out of those fucking losers, man, in Australia. Kick them out. Send them fucking home. And they still have to play the third place playoffs. That's what's going to happen, right? And uh, we're all a bunch of us going down to the pear tree. A bunch of Australians, they're going to have it on the TVs there. It's going to be 11 a.m. in the courtyard there at the pear tree. A bunch of Australians and probably a few English people watching this game. Um, I went out with the staff of the pear tree and a bunch of other mates the other night. It's just been... It's just been a great week. You know what? Like I've had a bit of trouble with getting numbers in. I'm not making as much money as I would like to make. I've had troubles with the supplier of my t-shirts, not sending them. And that was annoying and a few other bits and pieces. But like by and large, man, I just love this festival so much. I love being around the creativity, seeing the incredible shows that I've seen. I've seen so many great shows. Just seeing people doing comedy, writing, eating, you know, smoking cigarettes. It's the greatest place in the world. It's the greatest fucking thing that you can ever do in your life is to come and perform at this festival. And um, I feel so lucky to be here. It's the greatest place in the world is the name of the podcast this week. It's the greatest place in the world. I'm just going to do a little voice note to myself because I can't be fucked writing it down. It's the greatest place in the world. There we go. <laughs> it is, man. And um, <laughs> on um, Sunday, I saw <laughs> I saw Zach Zucker do uh, his stand-up character Jack Tucker, which is basically just making fun of stand-up and talking to talk about. Getting the fucking mise-en-scene in the room, man. Talk about setting 
just the vibe in the room. You walk into this show in a 200-seat theater and there's killer just like disco music playing, like hits, you know, and there's a guy on stage with a massive, just gorgeous, long, curly Afro hair, tall dude in rollerblades, no, roller skates, just dancing around the stage as people walk across the stage and he's just have he's just the best vibe, man. My friend who I was there with, I think almost fucking pissed her pants. She was ready to climb onto this guy. And like he was just so cool, you know? Um He just looked fucking awesome and he had the best vibe and he was dancing incredibly on roller skates to this music. And then the show started and he just left the stage. It wasn't even him doing the show. And Jack Tucker came on dressed in like a shitty suit, all looking disheveled and covered in water, which was supposed to be sweat. And then for an hour and a half, he ran half an hour over time, um, just tested the patience of this audience and just like used a million audio cues. And I mean, I can't even, uh, how do I describe what that show was? It was like, it was like a parody of bad stand up or just like hacky, tired, sad road dog, old man stand up. One of the best jokes, but it was like, there were good jokes, but there were so many silly jokes. My favorite joke was he goes, he, he was doing an American accent. Hey, you guys, I love it in Edinburgh. Hey, it's so nice to be back here in Edinburgh. He's like checking his hand, you know, Edinburgh. <laughs> and he goes, um, Boyd, you like Boyd's here? You guys like Boyd's? You know, a Boyd, Boyd, B-E-O-I-D-O-I. <laughs> Fuck, maybe that's the title of the podcast. You know what? I'm taking it back. It's not the greatest place in the world. It's B-E-O-I-D-O-I. Nah, it's not. It's the greatest place in the world. It's the greatest place in the world. That's the name of the podcast. It's the greatest place in the world. All right, man. This might be a short one this week because I'm about to go and do my spot on this game show that my friend is running and I told him it's gonna it's my anniversary of doing comedy and he said we'll do something special for you and I think that's so kind and I'm gonna take an alcohol free beer out of the fridge and put it in my bag and bring it into the show and I wanna I'm gonna drink it, you know? And uh and I think I'm gonna have an early night tonight because tomorrow the Matildas are playing and I'm very excited about that. So look Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you are enjoying your life. I hope whatever you're doing right now, you're excited about something that you're doing. I hope you've got some shit to look forward to. And um, oh, you know what? Maybe I want to end on... You know what? I've been thinking about this actually and this is a kind of sad thing but... Uh, this is a crazy thing to end on but... You know, in the last... Uh, like month, three, three, or is it four? I could have sworn there was a fourth. Three, definitely three people who I know, um, have died. And, uh, that's like a very heavy thing. And I mean, you know, thankfully or sadly or whatever you want to say, I wasn't super, super close with any of them, but I knew them. Um, one just this week, um, and just a super sad one as a person who was just around the free festival a lot and put a lot of work into making the free festival happen. And it was a very sudden thing. Another one was uh, a wife of a comedian back in Melbourne who was very beloved 
in the comedy scene and uh, worked with her husband on his comedy and just did was just a wonderful person to be around. Um, and another one was a comic who I might have even mentioned Bella Green was I feel comfortable saying her name because we were, I, f- I feel like we were really properly friends. Um, and uh, that was also very sudden. Bella Green was a fantastic comic and did an amazing show about being a sex worker and wrote a book called uh, Happy Endings, which I read, which was also fantastic. And just, I mean, Bella, who I knew very well, just such a fucking funny and like no concern for what other people thought of her person was just completely herself. And I guess because of that, had the struggles of being herself that she had to deal with and I don't know. I, I, I don't know how she passed away when, you know, but um, I just, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. And there were a few things like I was speaking about maybe a month, a month and a half ago before I left Melbourne about another couple of people who I knew who didn't die, but like just were in periods in their life when they were really struggling. And it's just like, it's fucking wild, man. Life just gets on top of some people and it just can end like that. And uh, especially this one, you know, at the fringe, this person who was a part of the fringe and who so many people at the fringe know and it's affected a lot of people and and so many people were close to her. It's just a very stark reminder of how lucky we are to be able to do the things that we love and to be able to live the life that we live. So um, rest in peace to those three people and... um, you will be greatly missed and to everyone else who's listening thank you for listening and i hope you're doing well all right go out and enjoy yourself it's been aiden jones sitting under a tree peace